Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to be here. This is week seven, part seven of my annual Crystal Ball Prediction Special. We are live streaming to Facebook. Hello, Facebook watchers, viewers, listeners on the Technology Revolution, the Future of Now page. And today we're featuring guests who appeared on our 2020 series titled Think Tank conversations in a digital world. We have the sponsor, Brad Borkin, with us, one of our 10 panelists. They're futurists, they're experts, they're predictors, they're prognosticators. Let me start off with a couple of movie quotes to get us going, then I will tell you who my special guests are, and then they'll each have about three and a half minutes to share their game-changing predictions for 2021. So here we go. Buzz number one from the movie Insidious Chapter 3. I've never heard of it. It was 2015, and the character is Elise Rainer, played by Lin Shay. Time spent in conversation is never wasted. Brad, that's an homage to your series, Conversations in a Digital World. Buzz number two, this is some Charlie's Angels, taken from a TV series, 2000 movie, Bosley, played by Bill Murray. I had a really long talk with a squirrel one time. Longer, in fact, than I can with most people. So you're going to each have three and a half minutes to talk to a lot of people, not squirrels. And buzz number three from The Princess Bride, 1987, Wesley, played by Carrie Elwes. Do you always begin conversations this way so you can see what our theme is? So if you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball to see what 2021 holds for your company, your industry, and the world, we're here with the next best thing. Starting on December 2nd and today, January 27, what, 2021, seven weeks I have been bringing you and will by the end of the day bring you more than 70 people sharing their insights into what's going to happen in 2021. So pour a cup of Joe, a cup of Earl, and if you got any Dom left over, we'll forgive you. Just put it in a mug so we can't see it. And join us for a technology revolution, the future of now working together. Let's make 2021 a great year, a better year, a safer year, a happier year, a healthier year, a more productive year, and oh my goodness, a real year. Here we go. My special guests today are Brad Borkin. You can wave. Wave your hand when I call your name, Brad Borkin, Senior Director in SAP Strategic Ecosystem Marketing Team and co-author of a fabulous book called When Your Life Depends on It. He might mention a little bit about his book and his predictions. Amy Dosher is with us, Sales Development Manager Team AWS at Intel. Amy is surviving the storms in California, and we're delighted you got power, Amy. So thank you for joining us. Mike Bechtel is here. He's a managing director and chief futurist. We have an official futurist on the panel at Deloitte Consulting. Welcome, Mike. Kim Leslie is here, director of solution management at SAP Success Factors. Welcome, Kim. Eliza Sylvester is with us, a principal in Capgemini Invents Life Sciences Practice. We're looking forward to interesting from you, Eliza. Walt Ellenberger is here, senior director in healthcare business development and innovation at SAP. Brian Pierce, 
former EY Global Entrepreneurship and Startups Leader, and he's the founder of Lighthouse Perspectives. Great background, Brian. We have Vishal Sangvi. He is a Global SAP Marketing Director at Intel. Welcome, Vishal. We have Kyle Garman, Senior VP Global Business Development at SAP, author of some interesting books on the future of education and entrepreneurship. And Dr. Malcolm Whitfield is wrapping up our panel. He leads the Global Business Unit for SAP's Education and Research Stellar panel, I say thank you to each of you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to join me today. Let's kick this off. Brad Borkin, welcome. Thank you for sponsoring this series last year. And we've got a couple episodes left to do this year. And I'm going to let you go first. Three and a half minutes, Brad. What do you see in the crystal ball? Go ahead. Great, Bonnie. Thanks for the great, great start of the show. And the the series that we had, the Think Tank Conversations in the Digital World series, covered a lot of the great topics everything from the role of futurists to the impact of the pandemic on working women, to uh, education, to uh, working from home, to supply chain, agile supply chain, agile commerce. So I knocked together a few predictions. The first has to do with supply chain. If you ask people, just the average person on the street, two, three years ago, what's a supply chain? They'd have no idea. And nowadays, everyone knows what a supply chain is. Everyone understands where goods come from, how goods are manufactured, that that there are global supply chains, local supply chains, and this is going to transform just that people understand buying local, the, the challenges with globalization and things like that, that will transform business. Cities are going to transform. All of a sudden, you've got a thing where why, why build large buildings, tall buildings? Why build more roads? Why build more airports? All of a sudden, this work from home revolution is going to transform how we think about urban life. And living in London, I can definitely sense that you know, just far less traffic, far less need to just leave the house and jump into a very crowded underground tra- train and to get to work. So there's going to be a lot of transformation there. Jobs are going to transform. All of a sudden, if we, the, the whole concept of what's an important job has, has totally shifted in our society. And all of a sudden, these, what we're considering low-level jobs have all become vital jobs. And, and I think that's going to have a transformation for businesses when they start looking at how do we compensate employees and who are the key ones and how do we, how do we keep employees motivated? And then education and some of my other colleagues who are on the panel, uh, we had several shows about entrepreneurship and the need for large companies, not just entrepreneurs building entrepreneurial businesses, but entrepreneurs being in the big businesses and that's going to transform and healthcare is going to transform and uh and so it's this this wonderful mix where all of society will hopefully not go back to the way it was it'll actually transform and then just one last thing to add very quickly as the author of a book called when your life depends on it that looks at the life and death decisions that the early antarctic explorers were making I'm very focused on decision-making. And when I look at decision-making now and look at the way people are making decisions, we're more focused on goals. We're more focused on doing things that don't cost money. It used to be like you look at, you know, uh, you, know it's, it's, you, you measure your value from what's parked in your driveway and vacations that you take and all sorts of different things that cost money. And now all of a sudden, we've all come back to the idea, actually, what's the most valuable is things like empathy, the human touch, the conversations, family, uh, friends, and empathy. And, and just 
working together as a team. And all that was existed in the Antarctic explorers and we're seeing it now come through, through in society. Brad, thank you. Great kickoff. I love that you got empathy in there. So many human qualities you mentioned, uh, separate from supply chain, education and work from home. And you said, we hope we don't go back to the old way because I think we've learned a lot in the past year under duress, of course. Thank you, Brad. And thank you for sponsoring this wonderful series. I've really enjoyed working with you and I hope you're renewed for 2021. Let's move on. Amy Dosher is up next. Amy, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Can't wait to hear your predictions. Go. Great. Uh, I really loved what Brad said and agree with all of that. And I'm going to follow in your footsteps, Bonnie, and start with a quote from Mark Twain, which uh, we're all familiar with, but I'll read it anyway. And it says, what is joy without sorrow? What is success without failure? What is a win without a loss? What is health without illness? You have to experience each if you are to appreciate the other. There is always going to be suffering. It's how you look at suffering, how you deal with it, that will define you. And I would say we have been through this collective experience in the last year called coronavirus. And I hope that it has forever shifted our, our viewpoint. And um, I can look back on a number of years ago at work where there was this mantra of, you know, keep your home avatar at home and bring your work avatar to work. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the, uh, the lines between work and home life are just so completely um, overlapping and blurred that that alone is really shifting industry and it's shifting the way we perceive and view um, leadership and employees and partners. And um, so my prediction is really that the next uh, stage or phase of digital transformation is really um, built upon this idea of a heart-centered, people-first value system, whether that's corporate values or individuals working across organizations. Um, And so I think that we're going to see everything from the tools around collaboration really expand. Uh, We've all experienced, you know, Zoom fatigue here and there, and um, we're trying to get um, new and exciting mechanisms for interacting and engaging with our colleagues and uh, partners and customers. And so I think you're going to see a lot of technology evolution um, in that space. And um, based on, you know, what what does our shared experience bring to the table um, in terms of, as Brad stated, uh, dealing with people with more empathy or understanding. And you've seen executives, I've seen it at both SAP and Intel, driving these um, Peloton classes together in the, in the mornings for um, a way to make sure that everybody's getting connected, but also staying healthy. So you'll see that technology continue to drive, but based on a foundation of collaboration and on um, bringing together people in new and interesting ways. So I'm really excited to see what evolves out of that. And I think you're going to see AI at the the heart and center of the drive toward um, bringing in better visuals, better uh, connection um, experiences, um, and more sharing of our life experience, but in a positive. So now that we're hopefully nearing the end of experiencing the loss, the illness, the failures, etc., we will now get to share in those joys and the health and um, all of the other 
beauty that we uh, we can experience and share collectively. Thank you, Amy. We have a lot of very positive, warm predictions. I'm loving this. Thank you very much. Yes, life has changed, and I like the idea that we'll see some new technologies for sharing. I didn't know that people were leading Peloton classes. I heard that they're behind on their deliveries. Brad, I heard that Peloton's supply chain is a little bit lagging, and maybe that's why, because so many corporate people are buying them and leading. Now, Amy, you solved that question. Thank you very much. Mike Bechtel, you're up next. Welcome, Mike. I'm putting you in speaker view. It's all yours. Hey, thanks a lot, Bonnie, and and uh, good to be with everybody. Um, so as our chief futurist at Deloitte, you know, I could, I could blow minds and freak people out with the 30 and 40 year stories, but reeling it into 2020, I, I think um, I tend to look at, I tend to look at things in the same way computer, uh, computer folks, technologists have looked at things for, for 50 years. And that is you have interfaces, you have data, and under that you have compute, right? Computing power, um, processing, cranking numbers. And so uh, here's a prognostication against all three. On, on the interface side, on the human side, the people side, um, I think what we're experiencing now, th this heads in boxes, Zoom life, mm -hmm. right? Which is sort of a lift and shift of the, the way we used to work into this, this, this new normal, new crazy. I think we're gonna look back at this a year from now as this funky middle ground where we hadn't figured out our new digital legs, right? We're gonna to start to say, hey, uh, remember when we used to still have eight hour days with 30 minute back-to-back -back meetings on Zoom? We're gonna say, no, in fact, that was a gateway to a better way of working, right? Where we auto pick the best time, not the next time right? Where we grab six minutes and get 16 people together or 160 or, 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 or two. And so this idea of the digital workplace being better in the long run, just like maybe streaming music is better than an eight track, right? I, I think that's a, a prediction for, for 12 months out. Uh, on the data front, AI, um, it gets talked about a lot. It, it's at risk of becoming the new synergy, leverage, innovation, right? It, 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 it said so much, it means nothing at all. But here, here's what we are seeing. For the last five to 10 years, data scientists have been singular, exceptional gurus, which means they're hard to find and they're expensive. What we're seeing and predicting is that AI is going to go from a, a, a single athlete sport to a team sport. Teams of merely very professional folks, data engineers, lining up to create AI at scale. The punchline is AI grows up, right? It's, it's artisanal, it's bespoke, it's, it's brittle. It's like a deer path in most companies today. We're gonna start seeing it plugged and played everywhere with, with industrialization and scale. And that's gonna make for a better experience for everybody. Because if we can get machine smarts complementing people smarts arm in arm, it's a brighter tomorrow. And the number three, you know, on that compute front, um, 2020 was a hot mess. Right? And part of it was because we've lost some of our faith in what's truth, right? What, what, what is even true? Well, you know, pick your source. Mm -hmm. Well, I think blockchain and all these distributed technologies, this, this, this idea of distributed trust, um, it's ready for its close-up, right? It used to be in God we trust, and then it was, well, in institutions we trust. Eh, that's been rough too. Um, how about in math we trust, right? Mm -hmm. How about this idea of... Um, of none of us is as smart as all of us. 
I think that's really the promise of, of all this distributes the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to trust in the whole as opposed to any one party. Wow. Mike, when you speak, sometimes I think I'm listening to a prose recitation or a poetry reading. Uh, I love the concept you said of the digital workplace. I just want to take 10 seconds of your time or 20 seconds more. You said two people, six people, 160 people, grab six minutes, grab eight minutes, not the next time slot. Can you just tell us a tiny bit more about that? I was intrigued. Yeah, well, you know, what? When the first radio show, okay, when, when TV was invented, right, they didn't know what they could do with the medium. And so what did they do? They recorded radio shows. And, and it, was, it was like the old way in the new platform. And it wasn't that interesting until somebody figured out Westerns, right? Well, think about that with work. We're, 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 we've lifted and shifted the old. It's 30 minutes with six people. And we, we perversely feel the need to fill the time. What? Right? Just as streaming music ended the 47-minute 12-song album, yep. um, streaming work, right, is going to end the need to have these 30-minute rectangles all gosh darn day and replace it with, I'm going to grab you, I'm going to grab you, I'm going to grab you when I need you. Thank you. I, I think we've all learned something on that. It's like break the mold, break the envelope, just go and do quick meet. I, I like it. I like it. I think everybody's nodding on that. Thank you, Mike. Let's get Kim Leslie up next. Kim, welcome. We're ready for your predictions. Go. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here with so many um, um, intelligent people with lots of good predictions. <laughs> and uh, Mike, I just want to add to yours about getting, getting six people together or 660, whatever, for six minutes. One of the things that's not a prediction of mine, it's more of a personal crusade, but I really hope that we move to meetings that actually have agendas and objectives. I'm tired of getting meeting requests that just have a single word in the title and I have no idea what the meeting is going to be about. So that's a hope for me, not necessarily a prediction. Let's catch up. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Sync, sync up. <laughs> yeah, sync yeah. up, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um, I want to talk about a few different predictions that I think that these are trends that have already been there in the workplace and in the world, but I think they're really accelerating thanks to 2020 and everything that we went through with the coronavirus pandemic. We're still going through it, uh, the social justice movement, just everything that's happening in the world. And the first one is around well-being. So well-being has been a topic of importance um, you know, for a long time. Companies are beginning to talk about it more and more. But I really think that in 2021, offering benefits to employees uh, for mental health, financial health, and overall employee well-being is really going to become table stakes. So it's just something that organizations are going to need to offer. Now, there's already a lot of technology out there to support well-being. Um, there's apps for meditation. There's your Peloton, obviously, when you talk about your physical health. Um, there's online coaching. Uh, there's lots of different apps out there, and I think we will see that market continue to expand. I also predict that employers will start to offer collective mental health days. So really putting a focus on mental health for their employees where they really bring it to the forefront just how important mental health is and remove some of the stigma behind it. Um, the next one I want to talk about is purpose and meaning. So people these days, uh, they really want to work for a company that has purpose and meaning behind it. So especially younger generations, although I can speak for myself, I surely want to work for a company like SAP that has a good purpose and meaning that I can get behind. So we're going to see more and more companies um, 
espousing this, talking about it. But what's most important, though, is if they actually put actions behind their words. So we've seen that actually um, coming up in the Super Bowl that's coming up in a couple weeks. So a lot of advertisers that have typically, you know, done big splashy advertisements that cost millions of dollars in the Super Bowl, they're kind of pulling back a little bit um, and they're reducing their spend. And instead, they're directing that towards um, other things such as vaccine uh, development and distribution. Hmm. So I think we're going to see more and more of that. Um, and the last one I want to touch on, and I don't have a lot of time to go into it, but is around education. And I know we've got a couple more prognosticators that will talk about it. But education will no longer be the same. It's never going to be the same again. Um, if you're like me, I'm a working parent. I have three kids in school. They have not been in a physical building since March of last year. And I don't think they're going to go back again until September. Um, so the world really has to change. And there's a lot of technology that's out there that can really help beyond just the remote learning. So I'm going to leave it at that because I know I'm at the time. So I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the predictions. Thank you, Kim. Very, very interesting. The idea of collective mental health days, is that what you said? Can you just add a sentence or two to that? What do you mean by collective? Would everybody have their own counselor, their own uh, therapist? And it's like, okay, 11 to 12 on Mondays, everybody gets to spend time. I'm, I'm, not making, I'm not making light of it. I'm saying it sounds like a good idea, but just quickly, how would that work? So I think it could work in a couple of different ways. Um, I'm thinking of employers actually giving, for example, a day off to employees. So uh, education around it talking about it, and just giving them a specific day to focus on your mental health, to think about what's important to them and how they can help themselves. And then, as I mentioned, also offering lots of services around there. We already have our employee assistance programs. A lot of companies do that you can call in when you have a need for that. So I think the mental health day, beyond just a day off, mm -hmm. if you will, would be also an opportunity to educate employees around the services that are available to them. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Eliza Sylvester, you are up next to Capgemini. How are you, Eliza? And welcome. We're ready. Go ahead. I'm good, thanks. And I uh, really, really um, appreciate hearing all the amazing insights of everybody here. Um, loving going after them because I get to build on some of those points. Um, I'm going to try and end this in a happy way, but coming from the life sciences industry, I'm going to sort of open with some of the acknowledgement of the bad part. The bad thing that I see is COVID's not going away. I don't want to be a doomsdayer, but um, I think that there will be continuation of, of variants and mutiny, uh, mutation of the um, current COVID. I don't think it's going away. I think we're going to continue to see both challenge as well as opportunity resulting from the need for more vaccines, more evolution of vaccines, more technology for the vaccines to quickly adapt to new variants. Um, uh, that said, I think there's really, really good things that can come of this. Um, one of them is, you know, uh, sort of building a little bit on what uh, Mike Bechtel said. I think that um, you don't look at engagement anymore as customer patient engagement or doctor engagement or any other. It's going to be how's the doctor engaging the patient, engaging the payer, engaging the hospital. And we don't have to draw black and white lines anymore. When we first went into COVID, it was like, oh, let's have virtual healthcare visits. And that was so strange. And I think now it can be much more about 
um, virtual engagement across participants in the healthcare science, uh, in the healthcare industry. Um, the other thing I think that's really exciting is because of the virtualization of healthcare, that means democratization of healthcare. And why that's important is um, I, as a New Yorker, could be, let's pretend I'm super selfish. I only care about the healthcare of people in New York City. Well, that's really not good enough because somewhere, somebody in a small village in Africa is going to get sick with something and somehow it's going to expose me. So the bottom line is, and I, and I heard Ashish Jha say this um, uh, just yesterday on the news, is nobody's safe until we're all safe. And the virtualization of healthcare means that that is a closer possibility and really exciting um, in a lot of different ways. And then I think the last thing is really building on the fact that I hope, and I'm not going to go too political here, but um, I hope we're moving from um, politicization of things to more data-driven um, and prevention-driven healthcare. And that means dealing with mental health proactively, like Kim said, proactively have mental health day. What do I get to do on it? I decide. My firm gives me mental health day. I get to do whatever's going to help me. Maybe it's get away from my kids for an hour. Maybe it's go to the gym. It doesn't matter, but owning that. Um, and also the idea of data driven stuff um, and, and data in a way that is not scary. But now that so much is virtual, we're capturing data and we can predict better where we'll be needing healthcare and what channels we'll need and how the patient needs to get informed, what doctors need, et cetera. So I think the boon of data from the virtualization of healthcare is going to create amazing opportunities. Thank you very much. You did end with optimism, Eliza. Thank you very much. There's so much we could develop on, on all of these sound bites. So Brad and, and anybody else who's going to do a series with me in 2021, I think we're developing curricula here for topics we could cover in depth. So thank you very much. Let's move to Walt Ellenberger. Walt, welcome. I hope you had good holidays and uh, I'm happy to see you. Go ahead. You're up. I certainly did, Bonnie, and I appreciate the uh Always a pleasure working with you, and Thank uh, you. I'm going to follow Eliza's theme in healthcare. I'm an old historian of sorts in the in the space, so a lot of my predictions are going to be around that uh, around that topic. Um, you know, needless to say, I think COVID has probably had the biggest impact on the healthcare industry literally overnight. I mean, you think about a a system a system was designed to be reactive in providing care. Uh, turned on a dime to be a lot more proactive in how you manage the uncertainty of, of this new pathogen showing up as did for an industry that's been pretty fragmented, used to working independently, now had to collaborate with other stakeholders just because there was this common enemy that we had to, to battle. And uh, I think there's going to be positive marks that are left as a result of this moving forward. So uh, looking into my COVID uh, technology crystal ball, here are some mm -hmm. of my predictions. Uh, consumer demand, I think, will have a stronger influence over special interest groups, which has always controlled the healthcare industry. Um, to me, that's personally exciting because it's long overdue. Uh, following the theme of virtual care, I think it's here to stay. Um, pardon the fun uh, or the pun, I think it's going to go viral. Um, I think the retail industry is going to play a, a big role in reinventing virtual healthcare. You know, based on simple things like convenience, access, simplicity, value, uh, the notions of a jiffy, jiffy lube-like drive-through care service, and following the Peloton theme, 
uh, Peloton, who has a, a wonderful audience already engaged virtually, I could see them offering uh, virtual care capability. I think that's just a natural. And you think about it, we're, we're doing these innovations on the fly with vaccines and testing uh, in your car through DMV and stadiums and things of that nature. So the other prediction is that uh, I think government's really got to step up and mandate force really standards and interoperability so that we can share not only data, but real, real world insights on managing effectiveness. Uh, I think we will finally have a, the investment and the support for real-time uh, population health surveillance solutions so that we can, um, we can get ahead of the game. You know, we can't afford to shut down a world economy every time a, a new pathogen you know, appears on the door. I think healthcare provider organizations in, in general will get back to the knitting of providing care and managing demand. They're going to re-engineer with a lot of smart technology to be more proactive and, and productive in managing both of those uh, aspects of care. And I think at the end of the day, the, um, the common theme here is that all these predictions are going to be enabled by uh, advanced technology and, and solution platforms that are really designed for speed and agility and, adapt and adaptability. I think if you go down the uh, alphabet soup of uh, advanced technology, the artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, and, and even nanotechnology, they, they will really rule the world. And, and ho hopefully I only mean that figuratively, not, uh, not literally. Um, and if, if you're paying attention to some of the new approaches that Pfizer and Moderna have come to the marketplace with, uh, with their vaccine, uh, they're actually using nanotechnology as a, as a way to molecularly deliver these blueprints to the, uh, the immune system to help identify and destroy the pathogen. So it's, it's no longer a M Michael Crichton novel with, you know, this is real stuff. So that, that was kind of my, uh, my perspective on where I see the industry going, especially in healthcare. Thank you very much, Walt. Very interesting. I think a lot of positives in there that we would all like to see, and you're right. We cannot allow a new pathogen to shut down the world, and we certainly learned a lot, everybody, in 2020 about what we had to do, what we thought we needed to do, what we don't want to have to do again, and that'll be that'll be a lesson for everyone. What do we do now? Thank you very much. Brian Pierce, you're up next. Happy New Year, I think. Somebody told me as long as it's still in January, you can still say Happy New Year. So officially okay, well, ha year. Happy New Year to you, Bonnie, <laughs> as well. And, and thank you uh, for all the great comments that uh, my fellow panelists have, have made here. I, I just have, um, I guess, four areas that I wanted to focus on. One is I agree wholeheartedly with Eliza and others that, you know, I don't think uh, there's going to become a, a day this year that we just say, okay, well, COVID's in the rearview mirror completely and, uh, and we can go back to normal. I think this is normal. And uh, so, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's a variant of COVID, or whether it's the next new thing that might come along, um, I think all of these things have, are going to impact the way we uh, we live and work, you know, going forward for, for a long time, if not forever. So what are the uh, what are the four things that, that I wanted to focus on? First of all, is I think we've seen many people be disrupted uh, in their careers, in their jobs, um, as a result of, uh, of the last 12 months or so. And I think as a result of that, we're going to see people turn to 
uh, entrepreneurship, turn to new business formation uh, as a way to, um, you know, have more control over their lives and to be able to uh, to really build something that they they feel they can rely on. And so I do think entrepreneurship will continue to, you know, provide a, a viable option for people and will also continue to provide a lot of the technology innovations that uh, we're going to need going forward. Um, I think secondly, you know, it's been said that uh, COVID didn't necessarily create uh, or initiate some of the trends and, and innovations, but it certainly has accelerated what we saw out there. And I believe that's going to continue uh, as people, as many of our, our panelists have said, people have become familiar with new ways of living, new ways of working, uh, new places to live, all of those changes that we all know so well. I think those will continue to be uh, driven by, by trends and businesses will uh, continue to find ways to innovate and in some cases spurred on by some of the uh, you know proposed incentives uh, that the government will, will be coming out with to drive um, innovation and in infrastructure drive innovation in in supply chain and so on but the way that that businesses serve their customers and interact with their customers has changed and I think will continue to evolve Part of that, uh, number three, I guess, will be e-commerce or digital uh, commerce, whatever you wish to call it, uh, which obviously has taken root in a way that it never had before the last 12 months. And I think that will continue to expand. I've seen uh, for every company that you know has struggled, I've seen probably more companies that have really cracked the code on this and, and are doing very well, growing their revenues rapidly because of having uh, an investment in, in uh, a proper e-commerce platform. And I think where the innovation will continue is is certainly in uh, in those platforms themselves. Some of them are great platforms, but they're not global. Some of them are great platforms, but they're missing uh, certain elements. And I think also looking at advanced technology in the way that um, you know those orders are fulfilled in supply chain and logistics and dealing with some of the really messy parts of e-commerce like returns and and that kind of thing and finding ways to do that in a much more uh, much more efficient, much more customer friendly way. And then I think the final area is um, is the remote working, uh, which for many people, you know, we've become uh, expert in. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, we recognize that a lot of roles today still can't be done virtually. People still have to drive trucks. People still have to go into factories and make stuff. And, you know, for those of us that are privileged to be in white collar professional jobs, yes, working from home is a wonderful option, but it's not an option for many of the people that we deal mm -hmm. with. So I think we'll see innovations in technology that allow people to do more of their function uh, remotely or, you know, using technology. Uh, but certainly we recognize that there's going to be a big demand on people that do need to come to a, a physical work location every day. And the more that we can make their job easy and more efficient using technology, the better off I think we all will be from a, a, a supply chain perspective. I think, uh, you know, collaboration tools and productivity has been mentioned. I will say that, you know, certain organizations are seeing drops in productivity now as a result of people getting fatigued from this system. So I think we'll need to find ways of 
teaching our people how to manage virtually in a much more uh, productive and effective way because um, it's not easy managing a workforce that you can't see uh, mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And so we'll need to do better at that. Uh, safety around COVID is there. And I think, um, you know, certainly just had a conversation earlier today about the importance of um, uh, cybersecurity and all of this, because the more we become reliant on technology, uh, particularly from remote locations, the more the bad guys are out trying to uh, crack in and, and cause havoc. So uh, those are some thoughts, Bonnie. Thank you very much. I have a quick story to tell of. You mentioned returns. You mentioned e-commerce. Brian, I have a friend who has all of his Amazon packages delivered to a local pickup locker, an Amazon locker. And the reason is that he needs a reason to get out of the house. <laughs> Amazon came to the front door and I said to him, I have all of my, he lives a couple blocks away. He said, I got to go to the locker. And he loves, he puts the code on his phone and the locker automatically opens. Sometimes it's a thin locker, a big locker, a small one, all keyed to the size of the package. And he said, no, I have to get out of the house. I need some place to go. I don't want them coming to my house and locking on the door with the package. I thought that was cool. And I, I know that Amazon has a partnership with Kohl's, at least here where I am in, in Durham, North Carolina, where you, you set up your return for a free return to Kohl's. You walk in, you don't even need the box. You don't need anything other than the QR code on your phone that the return gave you. And you walk in Everybody is masked. You go to a special Amazon desk. They scan the code on your phone. They take the package from you, touch-free. They say thank you. They box it, and they send it back to Amazon. They give you a, a receipt that says you get 25% off if you shop today at Kohl's, 25% off anything you buy in the store. And thank you very much. It's about a 20-second return thing, and it's three minutes away from me. So I just And you spend that 200 bucks a visit on Kohl's on the way out the door. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But that's... <laughs> That's coming. I need some new black dresses for radio. Thank you very much, Vishal. You are up next. Vishal, welcome. Happy New Year. And we're ready for you. Go ahead. Hey, Bonnie, and Happy New Year to you as well. I'm excited to be here. Thank um, you. Um, listening in to the perspectives, it's, it's really, um, you know, um, a great ex way to kind of discuss all of the different ideas here. I think for me, when I kind of look at... Um, how things are changing. I think it's sort of gone from, you know, when we would say, hey, you know, who are the innovators or innovative brands, right? I think what happened is, what 2020 told us is that every individual is an innovator, right? Every person on earth has figured out how to operate now, you know, in this sort of new dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really, expanded the way uh, people operate because it's sort of incredible the power of the people. And I think at the end of it, what truly matters is how the world and how the people really come together and use um, stuff, technology, uh, preferences, because everything, you know, um, everything is sort of evolving so rapidly around us. And everybody is innovating in their own way, shape, or form, no matter where they are situated and what their conditions or circumstances are. And I think that upskilling happened so quickly globally and uniformly around the world. And so I think um, I, I think that as a you know a, a leader within a technology company, I'm I feel privileged to be part of that. 
uh, company that can actually offer technical solutions and technology solutions that can help people sort of change the way they can live, they can operate. Um, I think Eliza mentioned the importance of data and data-driven uh, decision-making. And I think that's gonna go really rapidly. I think it's super important because there's so much data getting generated from everything and every action. And what that will lead to is more personalization at scale. Because, um, you know, no two people have the same order when they're ordering food. No two people have the same grocery list, right? Even within my sort of small family of four, we individually now have our own sort of, oh, mom, here's what we need to go get, right? <laughs> and, and we have our own shopping lists. And it's sort of become so much more personalized at scale. And I think it's going to really push all of us to think about how the technology and the tech community and brands and experiences can really deliver that new consumer behavior of helping solve for that personalization at scale. Um, I think a lot of the colleagues here also talked about uh, the future work. And I think, um, I don't know if we should be having 40 hour work weeks. I mean, I don't, I mean, does it even make sense anymore? What is 40 hour work? I mean, everybody gets like, oh yeah, you're on a full-time job. So you get 40 hours, you're salaried on 40 hours. Well, the reality is there is no such thing as a 40 hour work week anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, what I would call more, uh, more of a, a set of gigs. You know, I think people end up spending time on things that they love. People end up spending time on projects that are critical importance. And, uh, and so that's sort of what I think is changing as well. And I think consumer mindset is helping us to kind of be a lot more purposeful. And a lot of the colleagues here also talked about the importance of uh, mental health. And I think staying focused in this sort of evolution for all will be really hard. And so I think there will be tools and techniques to help people to stay more focused. Because at, at the end of the day, you know, everyone wants to do so many things, you can only do so far, right? So I think there are lots of different ways, and I think we're all gonna see a collective growth uh, towards more digital, towards more data-driven, towards more personalization, towards more scale. Um, in how we kind of approach issues. Um, that's sort of, I think, some of the predictions I thought about. Thank you, Vishal. I, I have a question for you. I thought the full-time work week was 50 to 60 hours. You mean some people were getting paid for 40? Did I, I miss that memo? I'm sorry. <laughs> Only 40? Seriously? Right. No kidding, right? With the <laughs> pandemic, I think everyone's working all the time. Yes, all the time. Thank you for your predictions. Kyle Garman, you're up next. Welcome, Kyle. Happy to see you. And you are on speaker. Go ahead. Okay. Happy New Year, Bonnie, and to everybody else in the panel. It's been great to hear a lot of these uh, discussions. You see sort of some of the common threads in, in, in what people have said. Um, I have two predictions. One is a macro level prediction, and one is a, a micro level prediction. And they are both uh, the future belong to's. So the, the macro level prediction is um, the future belongs to those that embrace inclusive capitalism. 
Um, if you think about Milton Friedman's article that he wrote on the front page of the New York Times in 1970, which is a half century ago now, literally 50 years ago, um, he basically made the argument that the purpose of a corporation was uh, to serve shareholders' interests and, and that alone. And I think that people have realized that it's time to kind of cut that article up in pieces um, because while it created a lot of wealth and a lot of, um, uh, a lot of innovation, it left a lot of people behind. And so I believe that, you know, when you think about the future, the next 50 years, let's say, this idea of inclusive capitalism where uh, the pandemic has exposed the dramatic levels of inequality, you know, kids not even having internet access to go to virtual school is just one of many examples, food insecurity, um, you know, being another. When you look at climate change and, and, and the, 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 the dramatic level of, of pace that the climate is changing that ultimately impacts humanity, um, when you look at the ability for companies to embrace their employees and their customers and their suppliers, just like they do their shareholders. So I think this idea of, of inclusive capitalism that has a purpose to it, that factors in not just the, the, the shareholders' interests, but also the environment and the community and suppliers and customers and employees. Um, I think the future belongs to those who embrace that concept of, of, of inclusive capitalism. So that would be a macro level um, prediction. Um, the micro level prediction I would make, and Michelle, this builds on, I think, to some degree, what, what you were saying is that um, I believe that the future belongs to those who can think like an entrepreneur. Um, and I wrote a book called The Entrepreneurial Mindset about this mm -hmm. and about preparing our next generation for the future of work. But I think that the, the pandemic has accelerated the pace of automation to a degree where intelligent machines are effectively automating um, what I would characterize as, you know, quote unquote, left brain um, activities, anything that can be captured in the software algorithm will be captured in this software algorithm or in an intelligent machine, and it will be automated. But the entire educational system was designed, especially at K through 12 level for the industrial era, which is really geared towards these left brain capabilities of learning something and, and show, demonstrating that expertise on a test or a multiple choice test. And that is the domain of intelligent machines in, in the future. And instead, what I believe is that those who can think like an entrepreneur, and not just those who are starting companies, but those who are big companies, small companies, private sector, public sector, um, anyone who's involved in doing a repetitive task or is effectively doing what they're being told to do um, is, is going to be automated. And it's those who it can define what creates value and organize and collaborate with other teams and, and technologies to actually create value that I believe, in other words, think like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that I believe will be, um, you know, really successful. I think that means we need to pivot their educational system to, to teach these sort of entrepreneurial mindset domains in our young people so that they're prepared for this radical pace and exponential, exponential pace of change and automation that I think we see um, all around us and that has been accelerated dramatically by COVID. So those would be my uh, my two predictions. Thank you very much, Kyle. I have a question for you. Do you think we'll ever come up with a word that's easier to pronounce, easier to spell, and shorter than entrepreneur? <laughs> I, I think it's a great question. You know, the, the Latin root of the word, I believe, is entree or something akin to entree, which means to take initiative. So it's only a modern uh, adaptation of the word where we describe it as creating a, a, a new legal entity or a new company. It's actually really about taking initiative, thinking creatively and, and, and building something new. Um, so I don't know if we can come up with a new word, but I do believe that um, 
the concept is is much more broadly applicable than we've you know I think narrowly defined it over the last 100 or 200 years. I think we should just call it Kyle. <laughs> it's, four, it's, I mean, it's, it's just four letters and it's easy it's fun to spell on that note i'm going to say thank you very much malcolm woodfield you've been so patient you're our wrap up our our 10th panelist today malcolm happy new year i can still say it it's still january and welcome and we're ready for you malcolm go ahead hi bonnie thank you happy new year to you and to everyone uh thanks for this opportunity it's very exciting again uh to, to be with you and, and the panel um, I'm also going to start with a quote, um, John Lennon, life is what happens while you are busy making other plans. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, I pretty much disagree with everything any, everyone said on the panel so far. Um, I think you're all missing the point uh, <laughs> and taking something for granted. Um, so, we're all in the information technology business, right? We're all IT professionals on this call. And we've been really focused on the technology part of information technology, right? Uh, that's what we've been busy with while technology has been making other plans, right? Which we have not been paying attention to. And that is misinformation technology, mm. right? The dark flip side of what we do. And nothing that any of you have said is going to work unless we figure out what to do about misinformation. Uh, and we are part of the problem, right? We build many of the platforms <laughs> that are used to disseminate and distribute misinformation. So there are, there's going to be a real issue moving forward in healthcare, in education. How can we become data-driven if we can't agree, agree on the data? Right. If we have alternate facts, right, to use Kellyanne Conway's famous phrase, we live in a world where your my opinion is just as valuable as your facts. How do we figure that out? That, I think, is going to be the major thing we deal with before we can do any of the things we talked about on this call. If we cannot agree on that, we work in the computer world, which is literally binary, literally binary. Right. But the world is not binary. The world is a gray area of competing facts and competing data that my prediction is that unless we really face as IT professionals, information technology professionals, that misinformation technology is actually much more relevant. We've been focusing on the wrong area while technology has been making other plans. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Malcolm. That was a, a warning, a uh, sounding the bell, a reality check. And by the way, if anybody mentioned uh, the new normal, the next normal, I call it the new reality. We're in a new reality. And in, in fact, every day is a new reality, but we're in a new reality because the world as we knew it is not that world anymore. The world we expected it to be in 2020. Oh my goodness. I said on one of my shows this week, we thought everything would be great. In January, we we're doing radio shows talking about new technologies and disruption from technologies and, and new innovations. And then boom, COVID happened and we were gripped and everything changed. So in honor of this being the seventh and final week of my prediction special, I'm gonna ask all of you to share with me very briefly 
what was your favorite holiday beverage, whether it was for celebration, thank God 2020 is over, whether it was for a comfort, yeah, I don't want to think about it anymore, whether it was for, I don't know, dreaming for something something new in the new year. So I'm going to go around the table in the order in which we started and ask each of you to share with me a holiday drink. We've got about four and a half minutes left, so take your time, but nothing, you give a recipe if it's quick. Brad Borkin, what were you drinking over the holidays or New Year's Eve? I was given a nice bottle of Shackleton whiskey. So the story behind that is um, Shackleton's hut in Antarctica from the early 1900s has been being renovated and they discovered a crate of unused whiskey that was blended for his expedition and sent it up to Scotland. This distiller is still working and they blended, they reblended it and it's for sale in, in stores. So that's it. Congratulations. Nice gift. Anybody wants to give Brad a gift, you know, Shackleton whiskey. There we go. I don't think you can drink it too fast. Amy Dozier, what were you drinking? So I um, would say combined a couple of my generic favorite things. So I love bulletproof coffee, but I'm really into this nootropic coffee right now called Chimera coffee, which adds L-theanine and some other things that really uh, gets you going in the morning. And then I've added some um, <clears throat> this peppermint stuff that I have that's really cool. So that's my drink of choice uh, from the holidays and continuing still. Thank you. Mike Bechtel, you're up. Cool. So I, I, my dad passed 20 years ago and he was a bartender in the late 70s. So we toast him every year by Aww. making the most 1970s holiday drink imaginable. It's called a Brandy Alexander. Yeah. It involves two parts cream to cacao, two parts brandy, and as much or as little milk or cream as you can get away with. Stir it, top it with nutmeg. It's like time travel. Time travel. <laughs> I like that. Kim Leslie, favorite holiday drink. Go ahead. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to take a break from the alcoholic side here. So every year I look forward to Starbucks. Um, they have a Christmas blend every year or a holiday blend. So that's been my go-to around the holidays and again this year. Thank you very much. Eliza Sylvester, what you got? I'm going to go with the go-to champagne uh, back to alcohol, mm. um, especially um, in in celebration. My father passed last year and he loved something oh, yeah. called Ciro de Cassis, which is, mm-hmm. it just takes me back. So, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about what Mike just said. Yeah, a drink that takes me back in time is champagne with a little Ciro de Cassis. I love it. I love Cassis just over a little rock, too. Walt Ellenberger, what was in your glass, your cup, your mug, your stein, your flute? Walt? Yep, sure. It's a little bit of a twist. My favorite drink was actually water because I was drinking way too many old fashions with cinnamon twist bones. Okay. <laughs> Brian, nice, nice confession. This is Confessions with Game Changers. Brian Pierce, what's, what did you have? Hey, we, we had a nice little uh, new Argentine food and uh, wine boutique open down the road. So I had some great Malbecs uh, over the holidays oh. and uh, delighted to have uh, that and empanadas so close by. Very nice. Vishal, what did you have? For me, it was the cinnamon ginger spiced chai. Um, so it was, it's a little bit of a twist on the chai, um, latte, but you kind of add in fresh ginger grated and cinnamon to it. Very nice. Thank you, Kyle Garman. We're in a hurry now. Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, very quickly. My daughters have become fascinated with this thing called the blender. And so fruit smoothies (laughs) have been the, the, the order of the day. So, uh, New Year's Eve, it was strawberry, banana, peaches, and every other uh, fruit you could imagine in a blender and enjoying a fruit smoothie with my with my kids and my wife. Lovely. Malcolm, wrap it up. This is easy. Mulled wine, glue vine. Um, again, 
takes you back to Europe and those German Christmas markets in the snow. Of course, I live in Southern California, and it was 85 degrees uh, on Christmas. So it was uh, glue vine at the beach for us. Thank you very much. And my drink was I discovered if you buy a, uh, a quart of light eggnog and you have the first couple sips or a glass, every time you take some, drink some out, you pour in a little bit of 1% or 2% milk and you thin it out. And that way, every time you drink a little more, the calorie level goes down and it's a little, little less potent, but you feel like you've stretched. Never mind. <laughs> I want to say thank you to everybody. <laughs> That's called cheating. I want to say thank you to everybody. Brad Borkin, it was wonderful working with you on Think Tank Conversation. Conversations in a digital world. I want to thank each of you, our panelists today, including Brad and Brad. Shout out to you and Susan Walker at SAP for sponsoring the series. Thank you all for sharing your time with me and our listeners. And take a look. We've been, I have to tell you, we've reached almost 130 people just watching us live on Facebook while we were on the air. And I hope you all have a wonderful one. And let's just figure out a way to make this year so much better. Shout out quickly to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio Voice America, the business channel, Bonnie DeGram signing off. Have a good one. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, be well, wear your damn mask. Bye-bye. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.